Welcome to Hey, I'm Writing, the podcast where we take a look behind the scenes at the messier side of the publishing world that not many people are talking about, take a look at author origin stories, and get some really great lessons from authors that you know and love. And in today's episode, we are hanging out with author J.M. Sullivan, who happens to be a dear friend of mine. In fact, J.M. Sullivan and I started just about the same time, so we've been in the same class going through our publishing life, and it's really amazing to see how she has grown over the last couple of years. Now, she is known for her retellings. She's got a zombie Alice in Wonderland. She's got Peter Pan in space. She's got all sorts of fun things out there. And in today's episode, we are going to be taking a look at the behind the scenes of how she joined the publishing industry. So are you guys ready? I'm excited for this one. Let's dive in. J.M. Sullivan, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm good. I'm so excited to have you here. You've been a guest on Young Adult Edition and my author interviews, and I'm really excited to welcome you to the podcast. Thanks. I'm really glad to be here. Now, you write quite a lot of retellings. You've got a lot of stories out there. You're very sci-fi based. We're going to hear a little bit more about your books later on in the podcast, but I want to jump in and talk about how you got your very first book published. So what did your publishing journey look like? Uh, It was a very long and windy road, I would say. Um, When I first got published, um, or when I was first thinking about getting published, I really had no idea what I was doing. I had just finished my book, and I had given it to a couple of people who were like, wow, this is actually really pretty good. You could, you know, do something with this. And I was like, okay, well, I'm going to do something with this then, Um, because writing and being an author had always been kind of one of my dreams, but I'd never really done any research to it because I was like, was always like, well, I have to have a book first. So um, then when I had a book, I was like, oh my gosh, this is terrifying. (laughs) Um, (laughs) There's just so much. And like when you're going into it and you're like, you just feel like you're inundated with just like tons of information and knowing completely nothing, I did what basically anybody else would do, and I did a Google search. (laughs) Um, And the first thing, like, or one of the first things that came up was this website called Publishizer. Um, And what they do is they're like a publishing campaign. Um, And so, like, you put in your book information, and then you, like, basically fundraise, and you get money to have people... um, help you with your book and then you say like if you like you can set up different things so like for different dollar amounts people will get an ebook or they'll get a print copy or they'll get a signed copy or whatever um and so I did that and I set up my campaign um and I got quite a few people and then the thing with Publishizer is um if you like the more money you raise from your campaign they'll send out your book um like blurb and your book details to different publishing like companies, quote unquote companies. Um, And so I hit certain marks and my book was sent out. And so I got a lot of like feedback from like people who were um, interested in publishing my book. And so I was like, well, wow, if I have like all of this, maybe I'll try and actually get like published, published. Um, Because I was, as I was reaching, researching like a lot of people that were sending me information they were like we're a vanity press and at first I had never known what a vanity press was um and so I looked into it and I was like well that's kind of cool but I didn't want to pay a lot of money up front to get my book published I was like that's not really my thing and the nice thing about publisher publishizer if you want to go down the vanity press route is by doing that campaign up front the idea is that you'll have that money so you can give it to the vanity presses that which when you decide um 
But I was like, well, I don't think that's what I want to do. And so then I was like, well, crap. <laughs> what am I supposed to do? I have no idea. Um, and then in the meantime, while I was doing that, I was trying to get um, some information for my campaign, like trying to get people out there. So I had actually started some social media stuff and I had started a Twitter account. Um, and I had told people a little about what was going on. I had started to meet people in the writing community. Um, and then I had heard about from one of the people that I met early on on Twitter um, about pitch parties and how there are agencies and like agents and publishers who will have these pitch parties and then they can, you send your pitch in and you go, it's all exciting and you send your pitch and if somebody likes it, then you um, can email them directly and it kind of like overpasses that slush pile. Um, so it gives your manuscript or your query a little bit more chance to be seen, which is nice. Um, and so I tried um, a pitch party. And before that I had to do all like the querying and make my query and stuff like that and all that great stuff, the synopsis, and that was a great time. But I didn't really know about that either. <laughs> so I had kind of had like these rough drafts. And then when I got my little hearts on Twitter for the few companies that were like, yeah, we really like this idea. Then I was like, oh great, now what do I do? <laughs> I, I feel like I was very retroactive in my early stages of publishing. And I would not recommend that to anybody because I feel like I was flying by the seat of my pants for a lot of it. Um, just to be very honest with you. Um, but I got those hearts and so that was exciting. And then I was like, okay, so now they're like, we got your hearts. Um, if we heart you, you have to send us your query and your synopsis. And I'm like, oh, okay. I gotta make those now. I got to get those finished. <laughs> I gotta make sure those are nice and pretty. And so then I spent like days, you know, researching, writing the perfect query and writing the perfect synopsis so that I could send off um, those to the publishers. Um, and then uh, you play the waiting game because we all know in publishing the waiting game is a really fun one that we all like a lot. No one likes that game at all, but we play it. <laughs> um, and so I was waiting and waiting and waiting and um, I actually got multiple full manuscript requests back, which was really exciting. Um, and so I was like, well, this is really great. Um, and so I sent them off. And then I was even lucky enough with my first novel to receive um, a couple of different offers of representation. Um, and so then from there, I was able to kind of pick and choose which um, company I thought was the best fit for me. And I went with a small press um, because in the pitch party that I was participating in, it was a small press. Um, there was, it was not an agented one. Um, so I went with a small press and my first book, Alice, was published. That's awesome. So let's backtrack just a little bit. For those of you that don't know, let's talk about these pitch parties a little bit more. This tends to be something over on Twitter where uh, a group of people get together, they pick a specific day, and authors or aspiring writers can pitch their book within those 140 characters over on Twitter. And then if an agent or a publisher hearts it or favorites it, they are then requesting their person, that writer, to send in their proposal for their book. So it's a little bit hard to get your entire book condensed down into one tweet. Uh, and then, of course, it goes into the waiting game, as JM mentioned. Uh, but I want to know, how many times did you participate in these pitch parties before you start to get a lot of interaction? Um, I participated in a couple. I 
I feel like I was really pretty lucky, actually. Um, I know I've heard of lots of people who have kind of spent months and years and stuff pitching. Um, I would, I would say maybe it only took me a couple of months to get um, the into the pitch party, um, and then get those likes and those requests to send out the manuscript. So that part was actually rather quick comparatively, um, which also was kind of like. I wasn't expecting it. I just wasn't ready. Like, and it just kind of all went really, really fast at first, which was exciting, but also a little daunting. How long was your process between the time you first started querying and you actually decided what you were going to do with your first manuscript? Um, well, at first I was thinking it might be nice to be agented, um, but I wasn't really getting a whole lot of interest from agents and I wasn't really sure if it was like the best fit because I knew it was a retelling, but it's also kind of a zombie like retelling. And I know that a whole lot of mainstream stuff isn't really like zombie based. And I like a lot of independent books are, and like a lot of like self-published books are. Um, so I'm also full disclosure, just not a patient person in general. So, um, I mean, I feel like I kind of queried agents exclusively, a couple of those. Um, but I also, I mean, there's so many agents out there um, and that in, in and of itself can be kind of overwhelming trying to find which agents are like niche for your manuscript, doing all of that research. Like, um, and so like, there, it's just, you don't think about it, but there's just a lot, <laughs> just so much when you first go into it. Um, and so I was like, well, I wasn't really hearing anything from any agents. And so then I was like, well, I'm gonna try, you know, a small press pitch party. It's like maybe a small press might be a good place for me. Um, and it was actually my first small press pitch party that I got those hearts and I got those manuscripts. And I was like, wow, well, maybe, maybe this is meant to be. Maybe I'm supposed to be with a small press. That's awesome. Uh, so how long have you actually been in the industry? Um, so my first book was published May 16th. 2017 um but i guess you know before the publishing there's about a, at least a good year of like the whole putting the book together and stuff um and then the querying process and such like that so i'd probably ballpark it around four years now four years being like brand new like just jumping in <laughs> but about four years Okay. So now that you have grown in the industry, you've been a published author for two years. What have you actually learned that could potentially help someone who is just getting into the industry right now? Do your research <laughs> and do your research now. Like if you, if you haven't um, finished that manuscript and you've not started, this is actually a really great time because you don't have anybody who wants anything else. You don't have to worry about any other deadlines or anything. It's really, it's literally just you and your manuscript. So dedicate time to your manuscript, obviously, because that's super important. Um, Cause without a manuscript, you're not gonna have anything to give to anybody. But from what I have learned, <laughs> take it from me, do a little bit more research up front and it will save you a little bit of stress afterwards. <laughs> so would you say that lack of research was one of your big obstacles when you first got into the industry? Yeah, just and I, I mean, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of research in general. I'm good. I can do it. I was had lots of research papers in high school. Um, but it 
so part of it, I would say biggest part of it is just, I was unaware how much research goes into it. Like it's a shocking amount of research. You have to decide if you want to go with a vanity press. You have to decide if you want to go with a small press. You have to decide if you want to try and get an agent and if you want to try and do that. And then you have to figure out like what, if you want to do an agent, what agent is going to be the best fit for you? Like there's, it's just like you have these like choices that you make that then branch into more choices and more choices and more choices. And you're like, I didn't realize that there were going to be so many choices. I thought it was like, I write a book. I'm going to either publish it myself or I'm going to have somebody else publish it. And maybe a long time ago, that's how it was. That's not the case anymore. There's so much more to it. So you're actually now a hybrid author. You are both traditionally published with small presses and you are also an indie publisher. Have you kind of picked up any tips along the way that might help us out? Um, I would just say find the best fit for you um, and for who you think is going to advocate for your novel the most and for like the kind of um, like what you're looking for, like in what kind of areas you feel are your strengths. Like I really enjoy my traditional publishers because I feel like with like marketing and, and stuff and assistance with that, like that's really great because you get some of those marketing assistance, you get some of that stuff with that. But there are other things that are kind of nice with indie where I get a little bit more freedom and and say in what I want to do. So I feel like for your decisions, kind of base it on what you think is most important and what you want most for your book. Fantastic. All right. We know you've written a lot of books. You've got quite a few of them out right now. And we're going to talk about those in a few minutes. But I want to talk a little bit about what your writing schedule looks like. So when you sit down, what does that look like for you? Um, well, in a perfect world, it looks like I don't have any kids in my house. So, um, or I am hiding in a cafe somewhere. I do a lot of writing. Um at Starbucks or at like other coffee shops, I feel like I should probably invest in stock in one of these places. Um, but that's just simply because it gets me to the quiet, like distraction free zone that I need to be. At. And I mean, there's not often a perfect writing situation. And one thing, I guess here's another tip, um, be prepared to write through anything because <laughs> you're gonna have to. Um, but in an ideal world, I like having um, a quiet place where I can kind of sit down and focus. I have um, my playlist pulled up on YouTube, usually is where I have like different playlists. So if you wanna go check those out, I have some made. Uh, but I like to listen to some music while I'm writing. I do usually different like styles of music for the different um, styles or genres of stories that I'm writing. Um, and so I have my mood music going. Um, and then I just kind of sit down and write. And um, if I can get in a good, I like to have my writing sessions at least an hour long. Um, anywhere between an hour to three hours is fantastic. If I can get more, I'll take it. But not generally in my life does that happen. Um, so I like at least having an hour to three hours. If I, I will admit this is one thing that I struggle with. If I don't feel like I have enough time or if I feel like my time is too short, I often will opt out of it <laughs> just because I feel like by the time I sit down and get anything done, it's not gonna be any quality, which is not a good thing. Don't take my advice on that one, it's bad. <laughs> 
gosh. Well, that actually kind of begs the question, how has your writing process changed over the last two years since you became published, especially knowing that you go into this as a mother, as a care provider, and as someone who has to do a lot of other things aside from writing? So how do you kind of change and adapt your writing process so that you get it all done, even with all the distractions? Um, well, before I was published, it was really just something I did for fun. And it was something that I was like, I want to do this. This is something I enjoy doing. And I, I still enjoy doing it now. Otherwise, I wouldn't do it. Uh, but it was something that was, oh, I just want to do this. I just want to have some fun. And I talked to my husband. And I was like, I'm going to, when I get off work, because also my work situation has changed a lot. And my schedules have changed a lot. And so that plays a really big part in it as well. Um, it I will say a couple of years ago, my work situation lended itself a lot nicer <laughs> to writing, which has been fun <laughs> as I now have deadlines compounding and <laughs> work stuff not conduce being conducive to the writing schedule. It makes life a little bit challenging sometimes. Um, but before it was a lot less like, I have to do this. This is something I need to do. I have to get these things done. It was more like, meh. I'll go in and write. And if I get some stuff done, great. If I don't, meh. <laughs> um, and I would do like a one, like there was one formal session I would do a week where I would meet with a friend and we would sit and we would write and then we would kind of switch what we did. Um, so before it was a lot more, I guess, just relaxed, whereas now it's a lot more rigorous. There's a lot more um, just, I guess, scheduling around it. And there's a lot more deadlines and things like that imposed and I have to have certain things done by certain times and so I really have to make sure that I get it done so if my ideal writing situation doesn't pop up nowadays it doesn't matter I still have to do it <laughs> and I think that's really important because for an actual writer a professional published writer writing is a business and we have to put that time and effort into it so as someone who is a professional published author, what do you do to make sure that you actually get your writing done on time? Um, I like to do my writing in the mornings if I can. Um, I usually try and find the time that works best. Um, sometimes it's as simple as I look at my husband and I'm like, listen, <laughs> I gotta get this done. Um, and he's actually, I mean, the, having a support group is really great and he's, he's wonderful. Um, so like he'll take the kids so I can get what I need to get done. Um, but really it's just, you just protect that writing time. And if you don't get it done, you have to find somewhere else to make time to get it done. Whether that's not going to sleep on time, which is usually what I do, or not watching that favorite TV show that you like, or, you know, maybe ordering pizza instead of cooking dinner for your family. Uh, <laughs> I've, I've not done that at all, <clears throat> ever, ever. No, um, not ever. <laughs> <laughs> so you just, you have to just really protect that time. And if for whatever reason you don't get it done, you have to find time to make it work. Now you mentioned that you have a support system that's really kind of helped you through this. Talk to me about how you created your support system and what they do to actually make your life easier. Um, just, I mean, finding people who believe in you is huge. Like um, I would say my husband is probably one of my biggest fans, like biggest supporters. Like he is so supportive and he's so great. So he's wonderful. Um, and then just finding people who are interested in, 
what you have to do. And sometimes if you're lucky, that's your family. If sometimes if it's not, and that's okay. Like it doesn't have to be your family. If you, it could be your best friend, it could be Tina from work who just loves like what genre you write in and she like thinks you're awesome. Um, so I mean, I know some people get really shy about talking about their work, which makes sense. Um, and I, I usually, what I would do is I would wait like with people that were like friends or acquaintances. Um, I would wait until I found that we had something in common. Like the girl that I would meet with, she was one of my coworkers and she also was wanting to write a book. So I was like, well, let's, let's go to Starbucks and we'll meet and then we can like keep each other like on track. And then. Um, so we started, you know, we became really good friends and then it became like a thing where we actually were supportive of each other. And so that was huge. Um, sometimes you find support in the most random of places. Um, for those of you who don't know, I do on Twitter and, um, a hashtag game called author confession. Um, and I started doing that and I found amazing people there. Like that's that's a wonderful community. If you are looking for friends, come play with us. Like we have some of the coolest people there. But through that, I actually met my friend um, and my co-host Jessica Julian. Because before I was all me. It was just like this game that I decided I wanted to start, and I was kind of running it, and it was getting really big, and I was starting to feel a little overwhelmed with it all. And I asked her if like we kind of started talking and I realized like we were pretty similar. Like we had, you know, a lot of things in common. I was like, you know what, would you like to help me with this? And she's like, yeah, heck yeah. And so like this girl that I kind of knew a little bit from Twitter who I thought was kind of cool. Like she was pretty chill. Like she's my best friend now. Like we talk every day, like randomly throughout the day. Like, and she, I, if like, it's my husband and then Jessica, <laughs> like those are my two biggest ones. And Jessica doesn't live near me. She's in Washington. So like we literally, all of our communication is over our cell phones or through our computers, but it doesn't matter if it's somebody who really believes in you. That's fantastic. And you mentioned accountability within what you're doing as an author and as a writer. So for you, are you one of those people that keeps yourself accountable or do you kind of like having your tribe around you to make sure that they're keeping you accountable? Um, I would say both. I like, so growing up, didn't like math. Math is not my favorite. In general, math isn't my favorite. But when I write, for some reason, I am all about the numbers. Like I make count word counts for myself. Like I track my word counts in my sessions. I make like little like, um, milestones for myself and I have like um, I need to get a thousand words to this goal a thousand two thousand words to this goal like 1500 words to this goal like and that's and then I keep track of that as I write like it is really like the most complicated and complex thing but it works for me and I <laughs> and again it was shocking to me because I don't like math and I don't like numbers but whenever I'm like writing they help like keep me on track they help keep me focused and they actually really help keep me like motivated because I'm like well I only have 50 words I can keep I can do 50 more words or whatever and so I think that's really helpful so I think my inner competitive nature helps in that but then on those days when I like wake up and I'm like oh my gosh everything sucks. <laughs> I'm just tired. And I don't want to do this. Um, having the exterior external accountability is really helpful to get like my butt sitting down and in front of my computer. Like once I'm writing, I usually do okay, like motivating myself. But sometimes I need that extra push to get there. <laughs> 
So as you're keeping your writing on track and you're making sure that you are up to date on your word count and you've got everything where you need it to be for your writing, I want to know a little bit more about what your desktop looks like. What documents do you have open? What are you using to track your word count? Like, what are you doing as a writer to make sure everything's in alignment with what you're doing in your writing? Okay. Um, well, first and foremost, and this is not a paid advertisement in any way, shape, or form. I wish it was, but it's not. But Scrivener. Oh my gosh, I love Scrivener. It's my favorite program. Um, before I was, before I discovered it, I was using Microsoft Word, and it was fine. Um, but Scrivener is the best. I love it so much, and I have. Um, it's really nice because you can kind of customize your program, and so you can do like what I do is I have my manuscript, um, like chapter outlines. So I've got my section, like my big sections, and then it's broken down into chapters. And then from there, I have underneath that I've got like my research section. So I've got like my little research. I've got my outline, so I can go back and look at like the big outline. Um, Scrivener is really great because it tracks your words for like. The whole project but it also will track it for each individual section so you can have like your whole manuscript word count you can have like your chapter word count you can have your section word count it's amazing it's the most beautiful thing um and so Scrivener is huge um I also recently discovered um a it's online it's called for the words and it's like a game where you um type and as you type you like fight monsters um then if you type enough words fast enough you kill the monsters um and so that's fun um so i like to do that sometimes especially on like days where like i'm not really feeling it that definitely kind of helps me like okay i just need to beat three monsters or i need to beat this one monster that's two thousand words or whatever um and so that can really help kind of motivate you so i've got those two like programs and usually what i'll do is i'll type in the for the words and then i'll copy it over to scrivener once it's done so it tracks everything for me um i like i said i have youtube open because i've got my music going um and then i have my little notes section um on my right hand of my screen and that's where i have my little it's just like a type I typed it up myself. It's my own little thing that I have in my notepad. And I think that's everything. Fantastic. Now, you mentioned that you work with some programs. Are there other programs that you would recommend authors look into, things that would help them out, things that help you out? Or do you kind of stick to those? Those are kind of my favorite um, that I've, I'm going to stick with, I think. Um, before I discovered these, I had, I had there were kind of some other ones. Um, there was another monster one that was kind of cool, but for the words, I feel like is a lot better. But for the words is a paid subscription. Um, it's like four dollars a month or something. It's not like crazy expensive, but if that's not in your budget, there's like a free version as well. I don't remember the name of it, but if you do a Google search, I'm sure it'll come up. Um, there's also one that I thought was real cute, but when I started. When I first started writing, it was great because my writing stamina wasn't as great. So I would only write maybe 500 words in a session. Um, so it was a little bit more realistic. Um, and because it's called like Litten or Written Kitten or something. And for every 100 words you write, you get a cute little cat picture. <laughs> 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 and so that was really cute. And that was really fun, like when I was first getting started. Um, but I found like having to put in my 100 words and then get my picture in it just when I started writing like 1500 words and more in a writing session, it just got to be a little bit tedious. Um, and fighting monsters, I mean, obviously, 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 so much better. Obviously. <laughs> Cute cats are fighting monsters, <laughs> you gotta pick, 
<laughs> they should combine those and make a fun little video game out of that. <laughs> Let's take a quick break with a word from one of our affiliates. If you're in the writing business, you know one of the hardest things to do is catch your own spelling and grammar mistakes. Even those of us that are highly trained, and that's not me, have trouble catching some of these issues. And I don't want you to be left high and dry when you're sending this to Query or you're sending it to your publisher or you're sending it to your friend to beta read. You do not want to look like you've missed a lot of things. You want to make sure you put your best foot forward. And so I recommend to all of my author friends to use Pro Writing Aid. Now, there's a lot of programs out there like this, but my friends and I recommend this more than the others because it is such a great program and it really helps you to tighten up your writing and make sure you're doing what you need to be doing within your work. And they have one-year plans, two-year plans, three-year plans, or a lifetime plan, which is amazing because you can buy it for one price and never have to pay a subscription again, which is totally what I did. Now, if you want to check this out for yourself and see if it's going to work for you, you can go over to prowritingaid.heyimwriting.com. I might just have a little something special over there for you if you do. And check out this incredible program to see if it's right for you and if it can help you within your writing. Pro tip. I don't just use it for my novels. I use this on all of my professional emails, my copywriting, my sales pages, my websites. I use it all of the time to make sure that I'm not looking a little bit silly when I'm sending out my writing. And I highly recommend you check it out as well. That's P-R-O-W-R-I-T-I-N-G-A-I-D dot heyimwriting.com. Yeah. All right. We chatted a little bit about what your desktop looks like while you're writing. Talk to me a little bit about your physical surroundings. So like, where are you writing? What does your desk look like? What types of things do you surround yourself with? Is there anything that helps or is it kind of just what happens to be there? A lot of times for me, it's just what happens to be there. I don't really have a formal desk. In fact, more often than not, I sit in like the corner of my um, couch <laughs> and like, cause I've got like an L shaped sectional. And so I'll sit in a little corner and I'll bundle up and I've usually got like a pillow on my lap or a blanket and then my laptop. Um, I love coffee. There's always gotta be like, there always has to be a drink more often than not it's coffee. Um, if I don't have coffee, which is very sad, then I'll have um, water or some other form of energy drink generally because caffeine is very important. Um, I don't like to snack while I write. That's not really my thing. I don't like to get my computer messy. So if I get hungry, I have to stop and take a break. Um, but I find that sometimes taking those brain breaks is helpful anyway. So um but usually at home, it's kind of wherever I can write more often than not, though. My couch, sometimes my bed, if I need to hide from my family because they're noisy. I love them, but they're noisy. Um, otherwise, like I said, a coffee shop. Fantastic. All right, let's switch gears just a little bit. I want to talk about your writing and how you dive into that as an author. The first thing I want to chat about is how you actually flesh out your characters. So you've got some really interesting characters within your stories. They've got quite interesting backgrounds. There's a lot going on and there's quite a range within the characters that you're creating as well. What do you do as an author to flesh out the characters that you're working on? Do you have documents where you keep notes? Do you like develop side stories? What do you do? Um, so I do have a document that I have that kind of just has like the basic information. So it's got like the character's name. It's kind of like a rap sheet. So it's got like their height, their, um, 
eye color or their hair color, like any discerning features. So just kind of at a glance, I can go and look and see. Um, but as far as like personalities go, my favorite thing to do is um, personality tests. And so what I'll do is I'll go and take personality tests, but I'll answer them as my characters. So I'll be like, okay, well, I'm going to be windy. And so then I would go through and I found that like answering um, these personality tests using like the care, what I think the characters would do really gives a really great background because um, you get the results obviously. And so it tells you a little bit about that personality type. You're like, okay, so that makes sense. But then it like, as you're answering these questions, you kind of have to like really think about some of those like things. Some of the questions they ask you are pretty detailed. And so you're like, okay, well, what would they do? And then it kind of gives you like a background as far as like different scenarios and different scenes where like they've done things or things that they would do that you kind of can use to build on how they would act or react to situations in your story. That's amazing. I love that you use personality tests to kind of determine where your characters fall, what they're going to be doing, and then you implement that within your writing. The problem comes when you use personality tests for characters, you can't really use it for your world building. So what do you do to build your worlds? Um, so <laughs> world building is a good time. <laughs> um, I For world building, a lot of it is I think about like the different like just I imagine my characters in the place that I want them to be in and so then I really kind of once I've got my characters I kind of go from there and I think about like the atmosphere of like what I'm wanting like the world to be and so like well is it a sci-fi or is it like um a, a pop post-apocalyptic world like what what is this world um and that's kind of where like my playlists come into like really help a lot, which sounds really weird, but when you've got these playlists and you kind of have like those dark, like for a post-apocalyptic, if you have like those dark kind of foreboding like so songs, it kind of helps set the mood as you're writing. And so I find that's really helpful as well. Um, I also consider the background. So like if my world is post-apocalyptic, what happened? to get it that way. Like, obviously it's not been post-apocalyptic forever. Um, something had to happen. So I think about the background and what's happened in the history of like that place to make it the way it is today. Um, and so just thinking kind of about the atmosphere and then the background um, and then just kind of thinking about how like the characters and like they would interact within the um, world itself and like what their responses are to it really kind of I find it helps at least give it maybe not be the best world building in the world but I feel like it's at least you know full and rich so when it comes to building the histories behind what you're doing in your stories how do you kind of figure that out do you write it out do you kind of write out a background story I know when we chat with a lot of our epic fantasy authors they have full out fleshed out histories for their worlds do you go that intent or do you kind of just give the overview um i do like a timeline usually like i'll kind of go over like main dates big things i definitely wouldn't say i go in as depth as like a, i know like fantasy writers they like go full full on um i probably don't go that in in depth and i mean as i grow as a writer i feel like maybe world building might be something that you know maybe i pick up and I try and, you know, perfect a little bit more. Um, but I feel like 
especially because I write fiction, I I also I don't know I I feel like artistic license is a wonderful thing. <laughs> so um, I feel like you know as long as I can get that story out and get the the idea out, if I need to go back and tweak some things or fill in some plot holes as far as well, how did this law come into play? We'll figure it out later. <laughs> <laughs> so as an established author who's been in the industry and published for the last two years, what are you actually working on right now in terms of improving yourself as an author? Is it developing those histories or implementing them into your stories? What is it that you are working on within your own writing right now? Um, I would probably say <laughs> that that research we were talking about, um, probably something along those lines, and just keeping better track records um, and being more detailed with like myself because I develop these characters and I develop these worlds, um, and I have these ideas, which it, I mean, and it's great, and I like by writing it in the manuscript, obviously, like that keeps a record of it in itself. But there are times I found that maybe my record keeping isn't as detailed as I'd like it to be and it's caused some stress in certain situations <laughs> um, when I have to go back in my edits and I'm like oh this was what happened oh I said this and so then I just have to it causes a lot of back and forth and it's not anything that ultimately can't be fixed but I feel like if I was just have kept better detailed records up front maybe it would save me some heartache later <laughs> And I love that, which actually brings me to my next question. We want to learn from our authors here on the Hey, I'm Writing podcast. What advice do you have for somebody who is just getting into the industry, doesn't have anything published yet? Maybe they're trying to figure out if they want to go indie or traditional. Maybe they're looking for an agent. What advice do you have for that type of aspiring author? Uh, really, I, I know I said it earlier, but for those kinds of people, I would say do your research like now is the time you don't have the like you've got the manuscript obviously and you need to dedicate your time and attention to that as well for sure but you don't have a lot of these other external pressures on there as far as getting marketing making promotions like finishing those edits you don't and you don't have like a lot of time sensitive things on it. obviously like there you probably are like well I'd like to be published in x months or x years or whatever but it's not something that if you don't have it done, you're gonna have people upset with you. Um, so while you have time to just spend with your manuscript, dedicate that to your manuscript for sure, but also start doing that research, start looking into like what kind of things you wanna do or where you wanna go with your manuscript because it'll be a lot easier now than maybe later. And speaking of a little bit later, what advice do you have for people who are just getting into the industry? Maybe their book is coming out in the next couple of months. Maybe their book has just come out. What advice do you, as an established author, have looking back at your early days that could help someone out who's just jumping in? Make friends. Um, be active on social media. Um, if you can go into like having your... like your querying or whatever, having that social media background, uh, like a social media platform, that will be really huge. I remember not having my platform at all. Um, when I went in, in fact, like I 
mine was when I signed my book, I had like a training um, and it was like telling you all this stuff about what is a platform and you have to have a platform. Like, what is that? I have no idea what that is. Um, and basically it's having like a social media following and having people who follow you for who you are and whatever. Um, and so like every author's platform is completely different. Um, so I guess that would be if you've not figured out what your platform is, figure it out um, and start working on that because that's going to be huge because your platform is going to be those people who follow you and who are invested in you and your book's success. Um, so talk to everybody and anybody, build that platform. When you're building your platform, do it genuinely. Um, don't go in just being like, hi, I'm on Twitter and I need followers. Will you follow me? Because that's to me, that seems disingenuous. And I, one thing I will say is I've seen on, on Twitter, the writing community is a wonderful place. It's amazing. It really is a great place. But I've seen a lot of people recently, I feel like they're just taking advantage of it. And they're going on they're like, hey, writing community, I'm new. And I don't have any friends. And it's just those kind of followers that you're getting, and those those posts do they get lots of followers because they're like oh let's in the writing community is wonderful they're great and they want to help people so they'll support you and they'll follow people and they'll it's called a writer's lift and I think those are great to an extent because if all it's just writer's lift after writer's lift after writer's lift those followers you get who are just following you because you're a new writer aren't going to be genuinely interested in when your book comes out I mean they might retweet something that you think is cool or whatever but you want to have people who are genuinely a hundred percent or not i mean a hundred percent but genuinely committed to you and interacting with you as a person because those are the people that are really going to help build your platform and those are the people that are really going to be invested in you and those are the people that you want to invest your time in anyway because i find that the those genuine real relationships are the ones that i value the most Fantastic. And now that you are an established author, what advice can you give those of us that are right along the same path as you? Oh, gosh. Um, I would I should probably be taking advice from you all. <laughs> um, I mean, just be kind to yourself, I think, is the biggest. Is I feel like as an established author, one of the hardest things that people tend to run into is when they get into a rut or if they're not getting their word count or things, it's really easy to get discouraged. There's a million ways to get discouraged. It could be because your newest book isn't getting picked up. It could be because you're not as far in your work in progress as you'd like to be. Maybe this chapter just isn't working or this character just won't cooperate. Um, there's lots of things that we can that happen when we write and it's because it's such a personal thing and it's such a mental thing. It's really easy to get trapped in your own head. And as a writer, you'd think that's a good thing, but sometimes if you're in the wrong part of your brain or the wrong mindset, it's not. And it can be a really detrimental to getting things done. Um, so I would say, just be kind to yourself. You're doing something um, that not many people do in general. Um, and the fact that you've done it once or twice or, you know, three or four times and you're continuing to do it and you're continuing to work, um, that's really something that's really special and it's really incredible. And you are a lot more phenomenal and just the things that you're doing are a lot more impressive than maybe you're giving yourself credit for. I love that. And speaking of things that are a lot more impressive than you give yourself credit for, let's talk about your books. <laughs> what do you have? What do you have out right now? 
Yeah, um, so I have a couple of series, actually. Um, I have my first series is um, an Alice in Wonderland retelling, with which is basically Alice meets zombies, um, which is really fun. It's called The Wonderland Chronicles. I have the first two books currently out, um, Alice and Broken Glass. There will be a third book in the series coming soon. It is Grey Queen, and it is the final wrap-up to the adventure. Um, and then my other series is a Peter Pan retelling. It's sci-fi because it's Peter Pan in space. Um, and I have two books in that series currently as well. The first is Second Star and the sequel is Lost Boy. And you also have a couple of short stories. Tell me about those. Yes, I do. Um, my short stories, I think, are really fun, um, although I get quite a bit of trouble from them because people say I break hearts, which I don't mean to. But, You're mean. You know. You're a very mean author. <laughs> Not mean. I am. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. The short stories, the purpose is they to are- To break hearts. No, they're villain <laughs> origin stories. So what I do is I explore the backstories of villains um, and I see what has happened that might make them out to be the villain that everybody thinks that they are. And so my goal with this is to have, by the end of the story, people reevaluate if maybe the bad guy isn't actually the bad guy after all. Who really knows with your stories. We do know that you're going to break our hearts, though. You have a lot of retellings. Why do you lean into those? Um, I just, I love retellings. They're my favorite. And I think that growing up, you know, fairy tales are like reading bedtime stories. Fairy tales are always a huge thing. And um, I just remember growing up and loving those fairy tales and thinking they were amazing. And um being able to just take something that I love and kind of bring new life into it is really fun. Um, and the first like few books that I read that I realized that people could actually do this are some of my favorite books ever. Um, my favorite book in the entire world will always be Ella Enchanted by Gail Carson Levine. And it's just such a magical book. And I just hope that with my retellings, like I give somebody kind of the same feeling that Gail Carson Levine gave to me when I first read Ella Enchanted and I just want like their minds to be so blown by like oh my gosh this is a retelling like this is a story that I've loved but I didn't even know it like um I just think it's really cool it's really neat that's amazing and you are very active on social media so if you guys want to actually go over and hang out with JM talk all about the retellings that you love the fairy tales you would love to see her retell where can everybody find you on social jam um, so you can always find me on Twitter um, if you want to play the hashtag game author confession It's just hashtag author confession and all of our people are there. So that's amazing um, It's really fun, um, but if you want to just talk to me I love just chatting with people um, and you can find me at JM Sullivan books on Twitter Instagram and Facebook basically all the things Well, thanks so much for hanging out. We appreciate you being here today JM. You're welcome. It's been a blast how fun was that? I am such a big fan of J.M. Sullivan. She's a dear friend of mine, and I loved getting to hang out with her today on episode three of our podcast. Now, if you want more information about J.M. or you want to connect with her, come on over to heyimwriting.com slash zero three, and you will be able to check out all the good content when it comes to JM and her incredible retellings. And in the next episode, we're actually going to be taking a look at what it's like to turn down a book contract. So we're taking a look behind the scenes at some of the 
behind the scenes messiness when it comes to creating a book and deciding what path you're going to take, what career choices you're going to make inside of the publishing industry. And we're going to take a look at what that actually looks like to turn a book contract down, which I know seems like it should be an unthinkable thing. It seems like it's one of those things that nobody would do, but actually it's pretty common and I have actually done it myself. I'm going to break down the reasons why and what that looks like and what it means to actually wait for the right contract. So join me for the next episode and come over and hang out at heyimwriting.com for more information on the podcast. And you can join me every single Monday for my live broadcast talk show, Young Adult Edition, over on facebook.com slash Edition every Monday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern. My co-host and I go live and we talk with amazing authors that you absolutely love, like A.G. Howard, like Elise Kova, like Annie Sullivan. And we talk about behind the scenes of the publishing world. And we break down breaking world news. We let you know about the new releases for the week. And we have a really great topic that we chat about every single Monday. We hope you guys will join us, youngadultedition.com. And to join the live broadcast and ask questions in real time to your favorite authors, you can join us at facebook.com slash young adult edition. Next week, we are talking all about what it's like to turn down that book contract. And then we've got some really cool guests coming up. So I hope you guys will stay tuned. Until then, we will see you over on heyimwriting.com. Have a great day and stay inspired.